0: Oh, yeah. Let me, let me push this analogy yeah. to the max. Right? so my 30th time giving a keynote. Yeah. And a six-year-old came up to me once and looked at me and asked me the best question I ever got.
1: Welcome to Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle coach. And this show is to help you begin building a life of fulfillment and to leave a positive mark on the world. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now take out your pencils and let's begin. John Ford said, you can speak well if your tongue can deliver the message of your heart. And Harvey Diamond said, if you don't know what you want to achieve in your presentation, your audience never will. This is episode 80 with Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk. It's a YouTube channel that he started to help the world master public speaking and communication. And he also coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. We're gonna be diving into the topic of speaking, speaking better, uh, speaking in a way that gets your listeners kind of excited and more in tune to what you're saying. So you can kind of grow that trust, that following, uh, and then just be able to do it more clearly um, and precisely. And don't forget to share this episode with someone else and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes.
0: So when I was in university, Chris, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. Well, other guys my age were playing football or soccer or rugby or some other thing I didn't understand. I applied the same competitive spirit, but to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people on communication, and then when I started working corporate America, or I guess corporate Canada in my case, because <laughs> I'm based in Montreal, I just asked myself a simple question, which was, how do I make a difference in the world? How do I contribute more to society? And I realized through a, lot, through a series of experiences, more specifically watching videos on YouTube, <laughs> that a lot of the content on communication is really bad. Mm. You hear advice like, oh, Chris, you should like be yourself and get up on stage. <laughs> and I looked at all this and said, what this is all useless so i started making <laughs> videos in my mother's basement one thing led to another and the rest is history that's awesome i
1: love that in in the mother's basement i think a lot of things start in in a parent's basement or garage or you know something small like that so that's really cool um i like how you said you were uh, you started doing that competitive speaking while other people were doing the sports and uh i think that's really neat especially and, and this isn't on the topic of speaking but like that you found kind of where you fit even then and what you enjoyed doing. And you didn't necessarily, and I don't know, obviously, but you didn't just take the pressure of, Hey, well, I need to do football or soccer or whatever. Like you just like, dude, I I like this. This is what I want to do. So that was, that's cool to me. That still got stood out in your story for sure. So you, you started the YouTube channel uh, from your
0: mom's basement. Um, how was that? What was that like starting out? Scary, let me yeah. tell you. Especially, especially in my niche, you know, I started yeah. the channel when I was 22. Wow. And a lot of communication experts in my field are PhDs or master degrees. Yeah. People, so they got you know they or late 20s at the youngest. Uh, the median age is more 40 50. I would say if wow. I if I look at most people in this space, So very intimidating. You know, I started coaching executives when I was 23, Chris. So I had a lot of uh, a lot of insecurity when I when yeah. I started. So I, th- I think for me, the tip that I would give people is this idea of, if you're very clear on who you're serving and what you're trying to achieve, it's a lot easier to stay motivated. Mm. right? So the question I always ask people is, who suffers from your inability to take action every day? Mm. So every single yeah. day that you watch Netflix and you don't do the thing, whether the thing is a cupcake recipe, it doesn't really matter right. what the thing <laughs> is, right? every single day, just be sh- be clear, a hundred percent crystal clear on who that person is. Literally meet that person. Mm. Understand it. Understand what happens when you don't make videos, when you don't make content, when you don't make recipes or cupcakes for that person. <laughs> and I think it's a lot easier to take action. Yeah, I think that.
1: Yeah, brings more weight to the situation and and thinking that you're letting someone down or you're you're not showing up for those people. Uh, and that's I think that's a really big thing because and just like pencil leadership and what i do like we have so much potential and uh we oftentimes don't take action on that and until it's i uh, we have the duty though to do that like because there are people out there that if we don't take the action we don't grow whatever it is that is our potential those people are not going to get that connection from us they're not going to get that um experience and we're not going to be able to help them and so that is a whole chain reaction of just uh, unfortunate circumstances because we don't take action.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. And so with that, so how did you kind of battle through that, those insecurities besides knowing who you were there to help and without you, they aren't seeking that help. Are there anything else you did? I Did you come out of the womb just being able to speak really
0: well or or what did you kind of have to do to improve on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just so people know my story. When I was five years old, my parents looked at me and they said, Hey, you live in Montreal, so that means you need to learn how to speak French and you don't know (laughs) French. So they threw me into a French school where I had to learn the language. Of course, I'm grateful today I speak many languages, but it was I struggled quite a bit, you know, the first ten years of my education. Because not only was I uncomfortable presentation like most of us are. I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So you would <laughs> see me at like Great Water or grade two, Chris. Just looking at an audience and going, uh, bah, bonjour. And that was my life. <laughs> for probably the first 10, 15. So wow. I, I absolutely, you know, can can relate to this idea that we're not born great speakers. Yeah. We're created as like much like leadership right pencil leadership yeah. you're not born yep. a, a leader you learn to become one mm. through a series of life experiences in your life and i feel the same analogy applies a lot to communication public speaking but but the way that i think about it is where did i get all this confidence from though yeah why is it that someone like me as as a confidence to coach people that my age and not really worry <laughs> too much about it right at, so at the end of the day everyone confidence stems from two areas yeah nothing more one is the obvious one that we preach a lot on shows is preparation, right? If you just, mm-hmm. you need to know what you're talking about to a certain extent, right? You don't right. need to be the number one expert in the world, but you should probably know your subject to a certain extent, yeah. right? So that's easy, right? So I was young, but I also presented over a thousand times. So so there's that. And then there's the other piece that not many people talk about. Most people in, in the second part, they say something like, you need to breathe, <laughs> you need to drink a glass of water. You need power pose. I think all of that doesn't work. I think the big thing people are missing is a lack of values. They don't have a belief system. Mm. What is it that they actually believe in? What are they yeah. actually trying to accomplish with this presentation and what they're doing in life? And it's because of that lack of belief system, it's because they don't have it, that the fear circumvents the message, that the fear overtakes the message. Where when we give a presentation, we go, Well, I don't want to give this presentation. I'm scared. I don't (laughs) want to do it. Whereas the people who actually end up doing it, the people who actually end up taking action, their belief system and whatever it is they believe in is so strong that they go, I don't really care if I'm scared of public speaking. I still am. But I'm going to make my message much more important than the fear. So I've got an analogy I like to use. Oh, sorry. Did you want to add?
1: No, that's great. I love that.
0: Oh, thanks, man. So yeah. So the analogy I like to add is let's say There's a boxing ring, right? So on one side of the ring, you have your fear. The fear Mm -hmm. is always going to be there. It's always going to be in the ring. And on the other side of the ring is your message. The point of the story is that make sure that your message gets the knockout punch every Mm -hmm. single time, right? And if you operate under that mentality, I think you'll always be successful with with communication public speaking or really anything that you do.
1: Yeah. No, I like that analogy. I think, yeah, I think, and it's like, I've heard, I've heard uh, uh, like Bob Proctor, so you have to get through the fear barrier and things like that. You just have to like break through and, and punch your way through that fear, basically with your message, with your actions uh, to really grow. And then that fear changes and becomes different. And so do you still, do you get butterflies or, or fear when you go speak or how's that look?
0: Absolutely, you know. Yeah. There's there's always new audiences or new groups I have to speak to. I mean, this year has been quite interesting. <laughs> I had to I had to virtu- I had to literally pivot from a full speaking calendar to a one that I'm giving in my mother's basement. That was, cool. <laughs> so that was very different. You know, I had to put a suit on and get all these lights. and yep. I had to Reinvent the way that I think about speaking, but but I think the idea is simple, right? To add more granularity to the fear piece.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll use
0: Brene Brown as an example. I'm sure yeah. everyone knows her work, and she's an expert on vulnerability. But she's very open about it. In public also about is when she started speaking, she hated it, huh. right? She's a PhD in social work. She doesn't want to speak. It's not her thing. At least, I mean, she's really good at it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it it's just wasn't her thing at the beginning, right? She said, I don't want to speak, right? I'm a PhD in social work. And why don't you read my research papers? Why don't you read my books? So why did she make the decision to speak? That's the more interesting question. And the answer is simple. She had a choice to make. And the mm-hmm. choice is understanding that most people in the world will not consume her research papers, will not read her books. Some of them are single mothers with seven kids. Look, it's not <laughs> their fault. Right? Yeah. She, she has other, other priorities in her life. So Brene has to make a choice in that moment. That choice is, do I leave my knowledge for the academic world and mm-hmm. for all those Rich, fancy people to take advantage of? Or do I spend 15 minutes out of my life to make a free video on TED or multiple so that maybe that single mother will get to see the video? It's not about saying, oh, uh, fear is this weird thing you got to get past. No, it's about making a choice. In yeah. the same way Brene made her choice and said, I want the general public to learn this information. In the same way, I made the choice to simplify my knowledge so that a fifth grader understands my information whenever I speak on a podcast or the show that I have. The people on this call, the people who are listening, Chris, need to make that choice too. And I hope yeah. they choose wisely.
1: Yeah, I l- I like that. And that makes it you, – sometimes you have to pivot and you have to do the uncomfortable thing Um for your audience to to help to have that growth because uh, you got to meet people where they are. And sometimes that is outside of our comfort zone. So I think that's a really crucial point to remember uh, when working on our confidence in the speaking and the reason to speak. Um, and so what, and you, you mentioned now you had a pivot and this is kind of still haven't dug into uh, creating a better speaking stands for excitement, but you said you transitioned from full calendar to speaking virtually. Was So is speaking in person, and I'm sure maybe speaking in person versus speaking virtually, how is that different or are there many differences?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would say the big one is this idea that you can't gauge your audience's reaction. Mm. So what do I mean by this? Let's say I'm giving you a workshop in, in I don't know, in your house or something yeah. or, <laughs> or around your city. What would I do? I would give the workshop. Maybe I would say joke. Yeah. And in that moment, two things will happen. One, you'll either laugh at the joke and say, wow, Brendan's such a funny guy. <laughs> or B, which is more likely, you'll look at me and say, wow, this guy is really not funny. I don't know why, why, does he, why does he say jokes. He really should stop doing that. But anyways, I get to see in real time how you're reacting. And mm. if I notice you, your team, and everyone else around you doesn't find my jokes funny, I can just adapt. You don't have that luxury on a Zoom call. You don't have that luxury in the online world. If I'm giving a joke, if I'm saying one, I need to say it with the same amount of energy, enthusiasm, positivity, and assume it's funny. (laughs) Even on this very call when it's just one person I'm talking to, Chris, I have really no clue how you're reacting to me because I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the, at camera, the camera lens right. directly. So imagine a Zoom call with 20 people, which is more normal, and most of those cameras are turned off.
1: Mm. That's
0: where the challenge comes from. So how do we fix this? A couple of easy things. One thing that we can do is put a picture
1: mm.
0: of somebody that you love next to the camera lens or your favorite food so that you're always forced to look at the lens. Nice. That's a good good habit to, to think about. The second one is this idea of imagining the perfect audience. So what do I mean by this? At the beginning, it's going to be really hard for you to draw out the same amount of energy that you usually do in person because you see everyone. Right. What you need to do is you need to start imagining that audience because you've presented the same speech over time, let's assume. Mm, So that way you're like, okay, I remember the reaction that my audience had in that presentation. Let me try and recreate that in my head here. And you could also do this artificially, like very easily by just having a phone call with one person that you know is going to be in the audience. Takes you 15 minutes, super easy. Third thing is assume good intentions from your audience. You know, when I started podcasting on, you know, appearing on shows, Chris, Mm -hmm. it was a very nerve wracking experience to me because essentially what a podcast is, is a stranger you don't know, (laughs) does an unhealthy amount of research on you and asks (laughs) you questions about your life. And you're just sitting there like, how do they know uh, this? How did they know that? And, and you just have to answer the questions as if you know them. Right. But over time, what happens is you end up realizing that pretty much every host you talk to is just a really nice person. <laughs> and so after after the calls over, and you have like a five minute chat like, wow, Brittany, that was really cool. And I was like, oh, you like that. OK, great. But you realize <laughs> that that everyone is actually really nice. So the intention that you take to, and this is true with presentations as well, Mm -hmm. that you take to anything changes. It changes from who's a stranger guy to, wow, look at the effort Chris is putting into his show and the backdrop and the stream yard (laughs) and the quality. So I'm going to assume as if I've known him for five years. So that's a mentality that's not overnight, Chris, but that if you always believe in will eventually become true because most people are really nice.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. I think, yeah, the picture by the camera is a good one because I struggle sometimes on these uh, looking down at the at the computer screen so I can see the person because of that and then I look back up the camera and then I go write notes and so I'm like all over the place. But I like that picture by the camera. I've heard it before, I just have not implemented and it might be something. Uh, imagining the perfect audience, that's really, that's a good one, especially if you, but if you haven't spoke, can you can you still imagine what you think a perfect audience would be?
0: Here's the thing. In my opinion, the only way to do it is you need to have at least presenting something offline. Mm. right? So my assumption with this, or else the trick doesn't really work, Yeah, is this idea of offline presentations are always going to be easier than online. Like It's a lot easier for yeah. me to speak to with a lot more energy if you're in the same room. Versus, I'm literally alone in a basement. Right now, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's it's more challenging for me to yep. draw out that. So what I do is I is I picture other conversations. I bring the energy back gotcha. here with the realization. Well, obviously it's easier for me because I have a YouTube channel. Right. right. So I'm always imagining that audience. So when I bring it back here, it's easier because I actually see you this time. Yeah. But for for most people, it won't work that way. For for most people, it's saying, okay, I gave this presentation at work in person six months ago. So now I could remember the energy. I could let me try and bring some of that back to this presentation.
1: Absolutely. That that's a great, great tip. And I'm sure most people have presented in some way that they can recreate that in their mind, I'm sure. Um and then the last one was assuming the good intentions. I think that's a good one too. Cause I yeah, the majority of people I think they all understand or have the fear of speaking. So when they see someone speaking, I think they have a little bit more empathy. <laughs> to them for the most part. So I think that's a good one to, to remember. So, so with that, so now we're, we're kind of, we got this, this mindset, whether it be virtual or in person on, on how to kind of think and how to kind of position ourselves with speaking preparation and, and knowing your values to have that energy. How do we speak in a way that gets other people listening, excited and kind of wanting to trust and be on board with what we're speaking about?
0: Here is the secret, and it's not really a secret. <laughs> it's this idea that you need to present the same idea over and over okay. and over again until you don't want to and I'll give you the best example: Tony Robbins, yeah, and a lot of people admire Tony Robbins. they forget to realize that he's been doing the same seminar for forty years. Wow, forty years That's longer crazy. than me and you have been alive, yeah, right. Yeah. That's how long Tony's been doing. And it's not to knock on Tony. That's what makes Tony incredible mm-hmm. as a speaker, as a facilitator, because he's always doing the same one. That is crazy. And that's true. with This podcast appearances with all the stories he tells, it's over and over and over again. And that is how you refine your mm. ideas. If you try and talk about everything and be everything to everyone, one episode you're talking about bakeries, the <laughs> other episode you're talking about something else. Yeah. You're you're not going to be able to refine that single idea. And that's a mistake most people make in general. Gotcha. And it's not really their fault if they're at school mm-hmm. and they have nine different presentations. Well, I mean it's not my fault. I mean it's it's right. the school who's telling me to do nine different presentations. And if we're at work, our projects change all the time. So the only way to figure this part out, in my opinion, because there's no joke that's going to save you, right? There's no trick, <laughs> there's no hack. Right, right. It's about saying, okay, I'm Chris, I'm the host of Pencil Leadership. What is the one presentation that I can do repeatedly? Yep. And for you, the answer is simple. It's your own podcast. Yeah. You need to promote it. You need to make a presentation. What is Pencil Leadership? What are you trying to yep. achieve with the show? Who are you trying to spot? inspire? Exactly. And that's a show, uh, sorry, that's a presentation you could use verbatim. Like you could use mm-hmm. that at any chamber of commerce, any local university, yeah. any conference you speak at. It's always the same thing.
1: No, I love that. That's a good point. Yeah, and that's what I've been thinking like because I've wanted to get into like more public speaking and I've been getting on podcasts to kind of start that. Um, and I was like, okay, so uh, the big one is pencil leadership, like the five traits. So doing that over and over. So that's a cool thing that um, we need to just keep, have an idea and present it over and over and over.
0: Oh yeah, like I'll even use myself as an example, right? These aren't the these aren't the first times of answering these questions, right. right? So the first time I got the question, hey Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? I kind of go, "Uh, well, I, I don't really know. I guess it's uh let me read a book and uh, get back. but after it's, you know, the I don't know the 100th, 200th time somebody asked me the question, <laughs> then I go into this monologue about we need to understand that blink at a pretty bread. It's all a choice. We need to make a choice. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot easier for me to answer the question, not because I'm more important, not because I'm more special because I'm willing to repeat the same idea over and over and over yeah. again until it hurts.
1: Yep. It's it's like a muscle memory almost, almost like you, if you were in a sports. So like soccer, football, throwing a football or kicking soccer ball. Like it's, a, you do it like at first, like you're terrible. Like when I first played oh, yeah. soccer, like I'd kick the ball and it would go, who knows where, and then it's just practice, practice, practice. And then it's almost like you don't even think about it. And it's the same kind of thing with speaking on a certain topic uh, or having a certain presentation.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree.
1: That's awesome. So that, is that, that's that's the, is that the singular thing that helps us kind of increase that excitement? Obviously, the energy you bring um, does as well. But that's kind of the big one is just kind of repeating the same story so
0: you can continue to refine Absolutely, but I'm happy to add more layer to that. Sure. So so let's explain why that is the case. Because I get this question a lot, right? People ask me, oh, Brennan, how do I get my audience to be engaged? And I always reply with, how many times have you given this presentation? They go, two. <laughs> I go, exactly. So let me explain why it's so important to repeat your ideas. For sure. The first 15 times that you do a singular presentation, I'm just using an arbitrary number, it could be 10. The first couple of times you do it, You're only focused on one question. And that question is, what content should I put in this thing? Oh, I wonder if my content's okay. Is my content good enough for this audience? And that's what's always going in your head. So you're making all these slides. You've never given this presentation. You're trying to figure it out. You present. And you're scared because you don't know the content that well. But after 20 times, after 25 times of presenting the same thing, that content question, disappears, because now you know you're caught dead right? You've yeah. done it too many times. Yeah. So now the question becomes, is Chris actually listening to me? <laughs> Does he actually like what I'm saying? Am I actually conveying the right emotions? Am I too complicated? Am I using medical terms like mm. glossophobia or extrapananeous or whatever the other... <laughs> and then you start to do the next part. And the next part of this equation, and this is where 90% of speakers don't go, is okay. having one-on-one dinner conversations with the people you're actually trying to help. Most people uh-huh. got shows, Chris. Most people got businesses, and they got 50 or so people listening to their shows uh-huh. or buying their stuff. And I always ask him, how many people do you actually know out of those 50? Right, and that's a good point. Re- they always reply, uh, like two. <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. You want to grow your following. You want to grow your impact. You want to grow your business. And you only know... Two customers out of the 50 that you're currently serving. How does that make any sense? Yeah. And then it's from a series of conversations with them that you start to realize how to refine your ideas in a way that the masses will understand them.
1: Uh, that's a great point. So it's with those conversations because they're going to be like uh, what did you say? like what is that? like oh i did not understand any of what you just said can you explain that? and you're like oh crap no one under <laughs> no one's been understanding that so oh that word's too too technical okay so that's the importance there i think right
0: oh yeah let me let me push this analogy yeah. to the max right so my 30th time giving a keynote yeah. and a 6-year-old came up to me once and looked at me and asked me the best question i ever got which <laughs> was, uh what's a ceo and i just went right that's a good point what is a ceo uh, really she, she just didn't understand. I just went, oh, I had to re- wow, rejig. Yeah. So instead, I used to start my presentations, you know, to be very blunt, with uh, a transparent rather, that's the wrong word, uh, it, with my accomplishments because I was okay. insecure. I mean, I was presenting to 50-year-olds. So I had to say, oh, yeah. yeah, I worked with clients like this and executives like that, which was true, but, you yeah. know, just to fill my own cup there. <sighs> but then over time, I realized, especially after talking to the six-year-old, she's the one who gave me the greatest insight. Basically, what she was saying is, Brendan, I mean, if your tips are good, no one cares about your accomplishments. If, mm. if your tips are solid, no one's going to question your expertise, Yeah, right? And, th- and then from that day on, I always started my keynotes with when I was five years old, my parents came up to me and said, I, so I, I just I go a lot more personal than I used to. And that's, that's something cool. I learned after three, 30 sh- shots at the barrel, right? Yeah. And now what? I've probably done that keynote 350 times and I'm still learning.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think always learning, always improving, upwards and onwards. Right? I think is a quote. Always trying to get better. And so that's okay. And that's that's kids, man. And they'll tell you. They'll they'll tell you straight up. Like, dude, I don't know what you just said. So,
0: oh yeah, my most successful client, Chris, is six years
1: old. (laughs) She's a boss. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, they're so yeah, but I think with that having and those one-on-one conversations and even if it's not you sit down for lunch but you like just reach out and be like hey like what did you think like can we have a call like can we just can I just pick your brain on on what what was good what was bad or go over it or or whatever just to get insight because we can't we can't necessarily I mean we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and we don't get any sort of feedback like in coaching if you don't get any survey or or um, response from those you help and there's something off Then you're never going to know and it's never going to be able to get to that next level and you're still going to be you're going to be having gaps and so I think it's the same kind of situation with speaking as well is there a way that when you're speaking you're you're able to quickly kind of build that trust factor and that that kind of authoritative positioning within whatever you're speaking on is, is it like, like you said, you used to start with your accolades and your accomplishments, but you switched to more personal. Is that the way to go to kind of build that trust faster with people you've never met? Maybe.
0: I'm, I'm not a big fan of hard rules, Chris. So yeah. I'll give you a general way of thinking about it. Okay. Everyone's speakers different. The, I mean, personal stories do work, but the way that I think about it is, is a three part framework. Okay. For the first part is what's your key idea? If you were to summarize your entire presentation in one sentence, what we'll would the sentence be and why? Mm. So in my case, the sentence simple: I believe much like leadership, anyone can master public speaking. It's not something you're born with. it's something that you're, you' yet you become mm-hmm. through a series of experiences. There's two sentences there, but you get the idea right right sure. like how do you how do you summarize your your entire presentation? Yeah and by the way, if I convince you of that sentence then I, then I deem it to be successful. You'll watch the videos, right? You'll, you'll go to Toastmasters. You'll have the discussions you need to do. You'll take action on public speaking Mm. because I convinced you that anyone can do it. But if I don't convince you of that, like I, I, I'm not successful. So same thing with you and your ideas and everyone who's listening. What is that key? Mm. What is that key that opens the door to your ideas? Okay. After that, What's the second part? I just invented that. That's cool. Key to the door. I have to nice. write that after. But go. anyways, part two is now that you have the key idea, the next question is not what personal story should I put in here, but rather saying, what is the best way of defending that idea based on your skill set and what you're comfortable with as a speaker? Mm. I'm an extra extrovert. So I love to yell. Right, That's why I'm very loud on shows, like a Gary Vee is. I'm just a lot yeah. less crazy, I guess. <laughs> but, but I think the idea is, is simple, right? Is how do you communicate your ideas that is authentic to you? So mm. a lot of introverted people like Coach, who are much better than I am, they would say things like, eh, you know, Brendan, I actually like the stat. I'd rather use this instead, or or this analogy that I never really would have thought of. Yeah. Go, wow, that's really good. Why don't you do that? And then the third part is just reiteration. Are the ideas that you're defending or are the tactics that you're using to defend your ideas that you're trying out working? And if so, why? And if not, why? Mm. So that way you can reiterate. So for example, what I learned, using myself again as an example, over time, there are some attributes, there are some aspects of the toolbox or the speaker's toolbox, as I like to call it, that I'm just better at than other things. The first one is, this idea of just being funny, right? I just like being a very, very casual and easygoing, even if my coaching programs are extremely intense, right? It's just the way that I think about public appearances. I'm a lot more casual. I like to be fun. And I also like to be classy. I like putting high quality suits on. That's just my thing. But for somebody else or like a seth godin right you know you put like purple ties on all that but for you as you cultivate as you get better with that key idea your public speaking identity will start to develop mm. and then you'll become unique that's awesome and and i think that's
1: those are good good tips for sure so like figuring out how you can summarize that uh presentation in the one or two so if you have like a lunch and you're trying to present in a quick manner, like that's a simple way to send that message. And then how can you authentically kind of defend that, like you said, uh and then reiteration. So this is what you're doing actually working. Um so those are those are really good good keys for sure that we can start implementing when we're speaking. Um and and I assume this answer, but where would you suggest people go to start improving their speaking. Obviously, you have a program, there's Toastmasters, I know or those are the big ones.
0: Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you three parts. Okay. Man. Yeah, so so the idea we need to ask ourselves is when is the right time to get a speech coach? Mm. Every speech coach is going to give you a different answer. I'll give you my perspective. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. I think at the first step of this journey is asking yourself why you want to master the skill. Why is public speaking important to you? And trust me, it is to a certain extent. It might be the relationships with your family. It might be you're a big CEO and you're giving presentations. And then find that correlation. And then within that first step, I would encourage you to watch a lot of free content, whether that's my videos, whether it's somebody else's videos. Just start consuming public speaking knowledge. Get acquainted with it, whether it's Dale Carnegie's work, really anybody. Mm. Part two is I would recommend building an accountability group of people who are interested in communication public speaking so that yeah, would be your I recommend Toastmaster because it's very inexpensive yeah right it's 80 bucks a year it's not it's not crazy or anything right or you could just build your own group like I did many years ago when I started speaking it's really up to you but the other thing I'd recommend for Toastmaster specifically the old the, it's not really an issue but it's just something you keep in mind the best speakers of the club will never stay in the club. Because public mm-hmm. speaking is a highly monetizable skill. So that's why I recommend, you know, the ideal combination for people on a budget that I recommend is take my free videos. Because I coach very, very high level people. Yeah. Take, but I I share everything for free. So yep. you take that, bring it to the Toastmasters Club. So then everyone gets access to the best speaking tips. And then everyone becomes a better evaluator. And then you'll all get better within mm-hmm. the club. So for me, I, I see myself really as a synergy. And the third part is is if you have budget. So if you're somebody who is right. ready to invest thousands of dollars into speech coaching, these are generally what I've seen in the space anyways. Executives, like company executives, people who want to go up to like C-suite level, like CIO, CEO kind of yeah. deal. Or they're purpose-driven entrepreneurs or they're podcasters who like want to be the next Lewis Howes, Larry King. Yeah. Th- those people, those people come to me. That's usually that's how awesome. it works. So, th- but cool. so I would say, in other words, most people I recommend Toastmasters free content, learn, and then after, when you're ready to, when embrace, you're ready, yeah,
1: do that. that's awesome. Those are good. Yeah, that's great. So, a uh, lot of lot of good information today, um, and I appreciate that. Just from confidence to how to do virtual speaking, even, um, and then how to just increase that excitement in what you're talking about to your audience and then where to go when you're really starting to take it serious. So I, uh, Brendan, I really appreciate you being on today and sharing all that. Um, before we go, there's a couple things. First, I always ask my guests, uh, the fifth trade of principal leadership is that we're all created unique and with a purpose to leave a positive mark on the, on the world. So when everything is said and done for you
0: here on earth, what do you hope the mark you left is? You know, when I started Master Talk, I never really had that in mind, Chris. But over time, as I started making videos and I started seeing the impact, Mm -hmm. I realized the following. Dale Carnegie was an incredible teacher, but the issue is he was born in the wrong time period of history. Mm. He couldn't guest on a podcast like we're doing right now. He couldn't make a YouTube channel. He couldn't voice his impact. In the way that we're supposed to learn communication and building relationships and public speaking, which is through conversations like this where you actually yeah. see me speak well. Well, at least I hope. Yeah. And that's the point I'm driving. Is once I realized that and I through a series of random serendipitous events, I became the youngest professional speech coach in the world. That I realized that it was up to me to democratize the entire thing in a way Dale couldn't 50, 70 Mm -hmm. years ago. So that way my hope in this world is that I become just as successful as him so that when I die, people can learn from me forever.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And being able to keep, yeah, have that just evergreen, no matter what, like always being able to help people way past when we're gone. I love that. Uh, And so thank you for sharing that. Um, Where can people connect with you and learn more, get your free content and uh, just, yeah. See what you're doing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Super easy to get in touch. Just go on YouTube and type master talk into one word. Cool. And you'll find me right there.
1: Brendan, thank you again so much for being on Pencil Leadership
0: today. Of course, the pleasure and honor was mine.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope it brought you value. If it did, leave a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. This actually helps us get this in front of more people so we can leave a bigger mark. And then share this with someone, someone that it could bring value to so you can make a difference in their life as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.